0: Welcome to the AF Mentors Podcast. This is for coaches who care about impact and are ready to be pushed outside their comfort zone and into growth. You can find out more about AF Mentors at afmentors.com. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the AF Mentors Podcast. This is a very special episode because I have an incredible guest with me who is Sophia, who's going to talk to us a little bit about finances as a human but also specifically as a personal trainer and I'm very excited about this because I couldn't think of anyone more well-placed to talk about this having had a background in finance and now being a personal trainer so welcome to the podcast thank you for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me on it's exciting.
0: Okay so firstly we get to work together as well so Sophia Mm -hmm. is also on AFM and in one of our calls we were talking about a new exciting business that you are going to start. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that's going to look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons that we decided to do this podcast is because I'm still coming up with exactly how it's going to look. And that's very much what I'm working on at the moment. So I think getting people's feedback as to what they would find useful from this sort of thing um, is going to be really useful. But the, the base... Of the course is going to be supporting online coaches and personal trainers and people that work within the fitness industry to be able to secure themselves financially so that they can stay in the industry, because we know that's a big issue. They aren't stressing about money. They aren't stressing about the months where they lose 10 clients. They aren't stressing about the months where they get less inquiries so that they can continue to build their business without worrying about money, basically.
0: I think um I'm just gonna jump in. That's such an important thing for so many reasons. But even if we just look at from like a mindset point of view, one, it's so hard to invest in yourself when you're worried about finances. And mm-hmm. two, it's really hard to sell when you're in a scarcity mindset because people can tell, right? And you don't show up at your best, and you're not the same person when you have all these other worries as well. So I think in terms of how it helps your business, not only kind of from the financial point but also just from like mentally how you show up and how you feel about yourself and your business
1: yeah and nothing teaches us that stuff that's going to be a massive element of the course as well like the mindset behind all of this I always say nothing prepares you for being self-employed from you know from going from having a guaranteed salary in your bank knowing your bills are paid, knowing you've got X amount to spend on whatever you want, X amount to save each month if you did save when you were employed. Nothing prepares you for that. Um, But hopefully that's what this course is going to be able to do. And then to talk around the mindset of, because how many people stress about money? I know I have. I know I do sometimes still. Like That's a completely normal part of life. But there's a difference between stressing about it, enough so that you are careful but stressing about it too much so that it does potentially maybe cause mental health issues it causes you to quit your business because you don't think you can get through it financially and I think we know the statistics 70% of personal trainers quit within the first year I bet 70% of personal trainers that quit within the first year oh sorry someone's phoning me (laughs) That's all right. Oh, so I bet the seventy percent that leave the industry within the first year, most of them are struggling financially, and that's one of the reasons um, that they aren't able to stay. And I think that's such a shame because how many incredible personal trainers and incredible coaches. Will lack the confidence and the belief in themselves financially because we aren't taught this stuff. Like, you are not taught about savings accounts, cash accounts, pensions, insurances, what happens if you're off sick when you're self employed, how to pay your taxes, how to set up online systems for income and outgoings, what can you actually charge against your business as an expense? You know, all of this stuff, we aren't taught it. And I think that is going to be a massive barrier for so many people coming into the industry.
0: Do you think there's also, bringing it back to why so many personal trainers leave the industry within the first year, like unrealistic expectations of what Mm. it takes to be a personal trainer or what it takes to actually pick up clients? Because I think a lot of people and I've taught on personal training courses kind of think, cool, I finished my course, I can charge £40 an hour, great. Like and then you almost think, it, it, the, I think that almost isn't the consideration even of things like rent. They're like forty pounds an hour. Even if I only work three hours a day, like that's probably going to be enough at least initially. Cool. I mm. so, you know you have to pay rent or you have to do like essentially free work or like some of that money should at least be going to tax. Now we don't know what yeah. face-, face personal trainers do, but realistically, that should be happening. Yeah, even like the cost of getting to the gym. Pardon?
1: Even like the cost of getting to the gym, like your lunch every day, all these tiny little things that add up to make, you know, weekly, that is really going to add up. And if people aren't accounting for these things and it's like, oh, I've not saved any money for petrol or parking, I'll just put it on a credit card. You see that building up and up and up. And before you know it, it's a little thing that's just tipped you over the edge because you're already lacking that uncertainty because being self-employed especially
0: initially is so uncertain do you also think I'm just thinking about certain mentorships but also I've heard of it kind of outside of this as well of people putting like a lot on credit cards and and kind of claiming like that's an investment for myself but I do think that we often see like survivorship bias of that so you might have someone who maybe is doing really well now and they're like yeah well when I started I took out three thousand pounds of my credit card to pay for a whatever a mentorship or a coach or or for some scheme or something and that's like I had to put money like skin in the game I had to do it and that's why I am where I am now now we hear about those people but we often don't hear about all of the you know the 70% of people that probably didn't get the same result and I worry about that with newer personal trainers because it's very easy to get scammed essentially yeah especially when you're not even earning yet and it's like put all of this money down and actually that can be one of the reasons that people leave the industry as well because not only are they not making money but they've got themselves into a lot of debt
1: yeah I think we've got to ask ourselves as coaches and personal trainers would we be happy with our clients putting our coaching and personal training on a credit card or would that give us a little feeling of being uneasy would it be like mm, you know actually if it's got to the point where you're getting yourself in debt to pay for me which would then be the same if a PT's paying a mentor is that the right thing for you to be doing and obviously this course is gonna I will go into all of the different ways of prioritizing credit what to pay off first what you should use credit for how to build up your credit score because mm-hmm. Getting credit, getting finance, getting a mortgage when you are self-employed is really tough. <laughs> yeah. I've just remortgaged. So I've had a mortgage for God, my first mortgage was when I was 24. So I've had mortgages for 10 years. And this is the first time I've had to do a remortgage being self-employed. And wow, that was difficult.
0: They're invasive, um, aren't they? Like when yeah. I was mine, I was like but the thing is, they want to know, like, all of your investments and stuff. So, like, they can see everything. But, yeah. and also to be aware, like, they'll only look at one business. So, for me, I had to choose, like, one business. Yeah. It's just quite interesting. And I guess one of the reasons, and I understand now, like, why they're so, I guess, strict with this stuff, is that if you own a business, as a which is slightly different than being self-employed, like, limited companies... You could just say, I don't want to pay my mortgage. Like the limited company isn't you. I might have loads of money in my business, but I'm not taking it out. So I can go kind of like bankrupt personally without yeah. a business going bankrupt because you're not personally liable.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's periods of time where banks and lending companies will stop lending money to businesses. They will just block it off their systems because I, oh, I'll explain a bit about my back because I guess that's quite relevant so mm-hmm. I worked Lloyd's banking group um pretty much um, and I sort of started as a cashier so like on the front desk worked my way up did like general banking so like credit cards loans home insurance savings accounts bank accounts I then did a little bit of time in mortgages did a little bit of time in management I actually did a year in business banking as well so um looking after business accounts, um, which was fun, which was good. And I then started studying to become a financial advisor because this is not me now, my values have massively changed, but I used to be obsessed with becoming a millionaire to the point I've got a pound sign tattooed behind one of my ears because it was a joke with my friends that
0: I wouldn't do it. Of course I did. Um so it's I looked It's so at funny person. to see how different you are now. Like even When you told me that having just briefly worked with you I was like weird because you've not really mentioned money you've mentioned people a lot and you've mentioned coaching a lot and you've mentioned what you want to build a lot which obviously is a byproduct will make you a lot of money but it was never the focus.
1: No and I think when it is the focus you lose a lot of yourself within that because banking I was So you know how they're talking about they're um, they're making no caps on bankers bonuses. Well, I was in banking before there were any caps. You would literally do whatever it took to hit your target, to get more sales. I was on the top of every single leaderboard throughout the whole of the UK. And I was the youngest qualified female independent financial advisor in the UK. And I still am. Well, I still hold that title because (laughs) they stopped allowing banks to put people through that qualification because you now can't get independent financial advice from a bank. You have to go to an independent financial advisor. So I started studying when I worked for the Halifax, passing financial advice exams, um, loads of exams. My God, really, really difficult as well. But yeah. Obviously, I couldn't remember information, you know, like memorised stuff. So as far as passing the exams, it was fine. I was then made redundant when I was 24. And I'd just bought my first house, so that was a little bit scary. But I think being made redundant at 24, if you're going to get age for it to happen. <laughs> um, I then started working for a independent financial advice company a really small company my boss well he's not my boss anymore obviously we are still good friends he massively took a chance on me he wanted somebody to come into the business that was established experienced had a client bank so he basically wanted your typical financial advisor a male in their 50s and I walk in at like 24 complete opposite but he started thinking about the business more from a future perspective and what would he do when he retired if he didn't have anyone that could take over so really long story short I worked for the company for four years I absolutely loved it I was so good at my job I was going out and meeting people and like finding out how much money they wanted to invest and we would manage their funds and portfolios and pensions and properties and investments and my boss wanted to retire and he wanted me to buy him out of the company so I'd have been running a multi-billion financial advice compound company at the age of 29 and obviously I loved what I did like I genuinely loved it I had an office from home I, I worked like three hours a day <laughs> not bad no Monday to Thursday so long weekend every weekend I got paid I hate talking about like salaries but if people just
0: Google
1: IFA salary, like I was getting paid that amount of money for Which three hours. You don't it. have to
0: say what you got, but what's an IFA salary? So you're probably looking at
1: like, without a bonus, like 60, 70 grand a year. Um, and again, the longer in the industry, you would just get more and more each year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been passionate about nutrition and health got qualified on the side started building up my nutrition business and realized that the job that I was getting paid a lot of money to do was just taking away from what I was passionate about my nutrition coaching and i got to the business the business i got to the point where I couldn't take on any more nutrition clients so it was like I either stick at I think had like 20 nutrition clients I either stick at 20 clients which was easy to manage around three hours a day and sort of Balance both, or or quit the finance and do my coaching full time. So you can imagine being in that position, you're getting paid so much money. My boss was like a best mate. Like I, yeah, I was left to my own devices, apart from once a month where I had to go to the head office, and even then it was proper chill. Um, I had a PA. Like it was, yeah, it was just great, <laughs> but it wasn't meaningful. Like I wasn't, I was waking up and it was like, oh, I'm really excited to talk to my nutrition clients, but then I've got to go and meet a millionaire and tell them that we've made him an extra five hundred grand this year. Like I just, it was just like, oh, don't want to do that. Um, and I knew that I could create so much more with all my nutrition and fitness stuff if I had the time and the freedom because I'd completely hidden my nutrition business from my old company because it was all just old people who didn't use social media. So it was really easy to just block them and they didn't have a clue what I was doing. Anyway, because I knew how to secure myself financially, which is what I'm gonna teach people in this course, I was able to leave a job that was paying mad amounts of money. I had a great pension, I had sick pay. And I was able to leave that with 20 clients. I think pretty much as soon as I left, I lost two clients. So I was able to leave that and know that I would be fine financially while I built up the business because of the steps that I'd taken. Um, And I've not always been great at saving money. So it wasn't that I had loads of money in the bank, which offered me that security. There was little things that I did to prepare for me to be able to do that. And it meant that when things were tough and challenging, because in any business, there's difficult months and there's rubbish months and there's time where you lose five clients in one go. And, you know, how do you even and every single time now when you lose one client, it's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? Like, what did I do wrong? Like, and you start questioning yourself, you know, but being able to get through those periods of time and realizing that what I could create myself with my nutrition and fitness stuff was going to be so much more meaningful and powerful and have so much more of a positive impact than me taking over this multi- billion pound company which would have been me sorted financially for life but it wouldn't have been me sorted with like a passion and a purpose
0: yeah I think the reason there's so many reasons that's impressive but I think to me what stands out is you left something that was good like very good for something that was great Mm. and I think so many people get stuck with good or they almost feel like well I should be grateful because I've got this good job yeah well, and then they stay there, you know, at like a 7 out of 10 instead of being like, but that could be, you know, a 9.5 out of 10, a 10 out of 10. I could be that much happier and that much more fulfilled. And is it a risk? Yeah, of course. Like every everything is a risk. But it's, it's impressive that you took that because it's actually much easier to take that risk when you hate your job. Because yeah. you're like, well, actually, I don't enjoy this anyway, so I'm going to try this other thing. So that's really impressive. And then as you were talking, I was thinking about, how similar financial advice is to nutrition advice in many ways. So I was thinking about you saying that, you know, you could make this millionaire X amount more money to me. That's kind of like getting someone who's already really fit a little bit more shredded. I'm like, I don't really care to be honest, but someone who, I don't know, is really financially insecure, worries every single month, doesn't have any savings, hasn't saved for the future. Maybe that's really limiting them or taking up a lot of their brain space to a place where they're comfortable or getting someone again, who's maybe yo-yo dieted their whole life, who needs to lose a bit of weight for their health, who spends a lot of time beating themselves up and thinking about food. And it takes up so much of their brain energy to a space where they have a good relationship with food. They're not worried about their weight. They're consistently maintaining a healthy weight and they're enjoying it. It's kind of like a similar thing. Right. And I think the reason I wanted to make that point is because it's the basic stuff like people get and the exact same thing happens with financial advice as it does with nutrition advice people are like what supplement do I need or someone will come to you and be like what crypto coin should I invest in you're like yeah nah. like, do you have a pension do you have an ISA have you even got a savings account do you have like a little bit of cash for a rainy day like think about those fundamental things first before you're like here's the supplement that might get you from 10% body fat to 9.8% body fat
1: I think a lot of people as well will be like, why would I need support financially? I've got no money. But that is exactly why you need support financially. But the issue is as well, and I still, I've still got so many, I was going to say friends, but they're not. They're just like contacts and acquaintances within the industry. And I know how financial advisors work. And if you've not got over a certain amount of money, they won't speak to you. And it can be similar with some accountants, if you're not prepared to pay their minimum price because you can't afford it, they don't want to speak to you. So I know what people need to know where they're still establishing themselves, they're still trying to build their business. And there's these little things that you can do that will make the biggest difference to the point where I'm like, why are we not taught this stuff? in school and when I was a financial advisor we actually ran campaigns going into schools to educate them and it was great my so my boss like he's he's not my boss I just say that like he's such an amazing man and I'd go to him with these mad ideas and he would just do it like he was so cool is so cool and I'm still in touch with him now and actually the company is really interested in what I'm doing. and really interested in supporting me with it. And there being some sort of scheme where if and when people that have done the course need individual advice, because obviously the course is gonna be generic. It's not gonna be, this is what you do exactly with your money. It's generic advice that people take and implement for themselves, but I am gonna be giving them step-by-step instructions with the opportunities, for face-to-face sessions with me not for the personal advice but for me to hold people accountable because it's all going to be very along the lines of the mindset stuff and goal setting and proactive things that you need to be doing in your business and the shit stuff that no one wants to do like setting up a separate account and sorting out your standing orders and sorting out your timetables and making graphs and spreadsheets and all of that boring stuff that people don't do because it is boring but it's those things that make the difference and I think what you were saying about people being like a 7 out of 10 and actually never taking that risk because it's just okay and it's just average I think that's more of a risk than you know, than taking the bigger risks as that people would think. Because if you're just settling for average, like, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. (laughs) Fuck that. Like, we're not here long enough to just be okay. Like, just be average, just get by. And I think most people will settle at a six or a seven out of 10 in all areas of their life. Like, friendships, relationships, career the behavior they allow from them themselves because they've never got to the 9.5 or the 10 so they don't think it's possible and they don't know what it feels like and they don't know that when you are at the 9.5 to a 10 how it positively impacts all other areas of your life
0: yeah I mean I and think I think if
1: we could just bottle that this it keeps when you
0: talk it keeps like freezing yeah I think the connection's not perfect but just just keep going i won't <laughs> i can hear you which means that the recording works okay that's good
1: um but yeah if we could bottle that extra like three percent and just give people a sip we would be millionaires and we'd have a lot of happy people can you imagine if you could just give someone a potion to be like you're in a average relationship but you're not respected you don't see a future together and you're not sexually compatible but we could give them a sip of all of those things how many relationships would but then you leave the shit relationship and they can go find who they're supposed to be with and you can like
0: yeah I mean we spoke about this last time didn't we but I think so many people get stuck with the sunk costs as well of oh I've been with this person for 10 years or we've got a house together or we've got kids or we've got these things even
1: more reason to leave
0: yeah and like you're saying like life is so short and Mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do I think this is such a good frame to think about things is when you're 80 will you regret the choice you're making now like a lot of the time when we're worried about I don't know taking the leap to become a personal trainer or something like that we often don't think of it in that respect and actually we don't catastrophize it like if you're leaving your job to try and become a personal trainer and follow what you're really passionate about think through what the worst case scenario is because usually the worst case scenario is you ending up back where you are yeah and at least you've tried right rather than always wondering if if it would have worked out or not and it's
1: that unknown isn't it have you seen It's a quote that James Smith, I love some of the stuff he says and I hate some of the stuff he says, but (laughs) um, it's a quote and he shared it a couple of times. And it's, I can't remember the bones of it, but it's basically at the age of 30, living back at your mum and dad's on a futon and being the happiest you've ever been because you've left an average relationship where you had a house with a partner, but it wasn't the right person. And ev- I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it because every single time I would rather be on that futon or on that bloke bed or on a friend's sofa than not even in a shit relationship, just in an average relationship, just in an average job, like just in an average friendship, whatever it might be. I would rather, which I know we've spoken went for, and I have done that <laughs> to get away, to get away from you know average stuff
0: yeah life is too short to be average 100 uh-huh. uh, interesting what you were saying about financial advisors as well because during lockdown I was like right it's finally time for me to figure my shit out and I went to I called up I think I had two contacts of a financial advisors one like both through sort of mates of mates and they were like and what is it like you know they'll ask like instead of just how much money do you have they're like and what is it that you do and I just say I'm a personal trainer and you could hear them being like hmm okay well you know there might be something that we could do for you like if you just want to send through blah 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 and I was thinking you think that I'm making like I don't know whatever what's the average salary for a personal trainer I think is something really low like 17 grand a year yeah yeah I mean but also you've got to consider that's what personal trainers put through the books Hmm. of course of yeah. course
1: and yeah you know that is the way it is because financial adv- advisors earn a percentage of what you're going to invest so, yeah. if they yeah, don't yeah, think
0: so it's you've 1%, got anything, isn't
1: it? Usually, yeah. And if they don't think you've got anything, uh, they just won't even talk to you. Like, even me working three hours a day. Oh, to be fair, no, I just used to chat to, I've always just chatted to everyone. Like, yeah, that was my job, just chatting to people, which was great. um But how do you then get financial advice, personal financial advice? and use those conversations with financial advisors to your advantage. Again, people don't know how to do that. So the course will go into those sorts of things, um, like where to find the personal specific advice and stuff that you can rely on as well. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's so many schemes out there online now that are like MLMs and there's finance type schemes coming in like this which promise you the earth for like a small investment and obviously yeah yeah um again i don't know your stance on these sort of pyramid schemes but i hate them like yeah no it's not for me <laughs> detest like detest <laughs> um that's a totally different topic but it's things like that to be wary of and to be aware of um and i guess for people that do have a little bit of extra money what sort of investments can you be looking at that give you that little bit of risk to potentially get more return but where you aren't going to be losing thousands and thousands of pounds
0: yeah i think what so there's it's go ahead no 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 you go i was going so i was going to say like the, the what's interesting is i think there are And correct me if I'm wrong, but basics, much like there are nutrition fundamentals Mm -hmm. of, you know what, have some cash reserves, invest in an ISA. You know, if you're going to put a little bit of money away every year, like put it in your ISA, have a pension. And then when when you own your own businesses or when you're self-employed, the advice is a little bit different than potentially if you're employed, because a lot of this stuff is done for you when you're employed. Like you're probably going to contribute to a pension because you're opted in someone's already taking care of your tax so you don't have to worry about that actually the money that's in your bank is your money right whereas when you have your own business especially it gets a little bit more confusing because you're taxed numerous times on the same money which Mm -hmm. you may not consider so if you in fact if you want to actually this would be cool for you to go through when someone says let's say they own a limited company and they're making the amazing 10k months yeah Remember that when you get that £10,000, you're going to be paying VAT on that at 20%. You'll yeah. then to pay corporation tax at 19% at the moment on what's left of that. And then if you decide to take that money out of your business so you can use it personally, you will be charged forget. personal tax. Now that will depend on how much money you're taking out, the personal tax levels. Yeah. But remember that you will be charged all these things. So it's not £10,000 a month in your pocket, uh-uh. it's actually considerably less than that. Yeah. And some people, depending again on you know what their situation is, actually earning a little bit less than that, below the VAT threshold. If they don't really want to kind of push their business a lot over it, I think there's two ways to think about it. If you really care about growth and you have big goals, don't even worry about that. Like you're going to hit it. You're going to have to pay it. It's inevitability yeah. done. If you're like, "Mm, I I, for some reason want to earn a hundred thousand a year for no real reason other than it sounds cool, you might want to consider that as a business, you're probably going to be earning less by earning that amount more if you're if you're planning to stick around the hundred thousand mark. Now, to add confusion to that, there are flat rate VAT schemes, but you're you're still potentially worse off for a period of time when you're earning more as a business
1: yeah it's a proper head fuck that because like you've worked so hard to get to that position and then there's a period of time where your actual money in the bank will drop um and then depending on how you get through that period of time and again things that you've got in place depends how long you sit there Mm -hmm. so it's it's really yeah again it's a minefield it's really really difficult and people don't take this sort of stuff into account they don't know about all the little things you can do like if you've got a partner or if you haven't got a partner or again all of the stuff that you can or can't be charging against your
0: business as an expense um and sorry what's interesting as well is i was just thinking about this as like I was thinking back to when I was starting as a personal trainer. Now, if, if a client paid me a hundred pounds when I was starting as a PT and mm-hmm. when I started doing online, I was also a student. So, well, this goes for everyone, but you get your first 11,000 pounds tax free. So when someone gives me hundred pounds, I actually have a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm a VAT registered business, when someone gives me a hundred pounds, I actually probably get after all the tax, like less than half of that, like considerably less than half of that mm-hmm. as a person in my pocket. So it's quite, like, it's interesting to think of it in that perspective of actually, you know, it's not it's not equal, it's not the same, and these things change, and you need to be aware of it because the last thing we want is you getting to the end of the year and having this huge tax bill, and you're like, wow, I had no yeah. idea that this would happen. Again,
1: that'll be why businesses fail, because they're not putting the money aside for the tax. I remember when I got my first tax bill for being self-employed, I nearly had a nervous breakdown, but I had the money. I'd I'd set myself up, but seeing that number after, it just used to come off my salary when I was employed, and you don't even think about it. Like, if you see it on a wage slip, you're like, oh, that's a bit shit, but nothing I can do about it. Whereas, again, I'm not sure of what percentages of businesses will fail because they can't afford their tax bill. But again, there's sort of ways and means that businesses can get around that not that i'm ever gonna advocate like not paying your tax but you can declare yourself bankrupt three times in the same industry and just rename yourself a different name which is gonna screw your reputation because people will know why you've done it and again that's not something that you could do until you got to like the limited company level so but what we often find as well people end up in this middle ground so not personal trainers starting off but more people we were just talking about before when you're in that middle ground and you're getting less of your income because of all the different taxes that you pay in, it's again people in that category that end up loads of outgoings loads of debt massively high expenditure because on paper they've got all this money coming in but then there's less in the bank so they put stuff on credit or i can pay it back and then end up in a really shit financial situation. So you're not... Again, it's that middle ground that is very cloudy and very difficult to navigate because then when you way past that and you're earning hundreds and hundreds of thousands, then, you know, that doesn't matter as much. But it tends to be that middle ground which most personal trainers or coaches would eventually
0: hope to get to one day. Mm -hmm. I think what's funny about like the mindset around tax as well is that so much of it is just loss aversion like you see it in your bank account and you're like but that's mine and and then you resent paying the tax on it and I'm like Mm -hmm. it's not yours it was never yours have the mindset of it was never yours my accountant always says to me the more money you earn the more tax you'll pay end of like you can kind of reframe it as especially if you're not trying to evade tax like the more tax I pay actually the better yeah. business is doing better unless you've really screwed yourself over which is a mistake I made very briefly um you shouldn't be paying tax on money that you don't have right no. so no. realistically you're paying more tax because you've made more money and you've made more money because you've probably helped more people and you've you yeah. know coached more people like that's actually something to celebrate as opposed to something you know to, to resent as like, much as- yeah
1: you want to see that number that you pay in tax going up and you want to view that as a positive thing. I mean, there's legal ways to evade tax. I'll be able to teach people about that. Yeah. Evade is that, that's not Maybe a Maybe not evade,
0: thing. To, to reduce your tax bill. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I only just found out about one of them, which for anyone who is making a considerable amount of money and is now kind of having money, I would say build up within their businesses because they don't want to take out, I don't know, more than 50K a year because they don't want to pay high tax bracket on personal income then something called a SAS would be something good to look up, which basically means you can put more into a pension, which means you pay less tax on that because that's a tax-deductible contribution. And again, like this would be such a person-specific thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, but then when you draw your pension after the tax-free cash part, you get taxed on it as income. So it's almost weighing up the pros and cons and yeah there's so many different options and I think when people get to that level that's when and people are asking those sorts of questions that's where I'd refer them on to my old company and they'll be able to do some sort of discount so that they know it's people in the fitness industry coming from my course that maybe don't have millions to invest but are in that sort of murky middle ground and need the personalized advice and they'll just do it for like a fixed at a discount um, so that's going to be really cool because that's not something on offer at the moment anywhere um because like I said and like you've had experiences if you phone a financial advisor and say I'm a PT they'll probably hang up hang up <laughs> um,
0: yeah. I mean once I showed them my books, so it was all right but then I decided actually I do not want to give away one percent and I kind of had the realization that one, I don't think anyone will look after your money better than you will. Once, And, and I would caveat that with once you know what you're doing.
1: Yes, yes, and yes. And
0: two, you will have to do this for the rest of your life. And I would say this yeah. is especially why investing in this course that you're about to make is so important because you're going to need this information for the rest of your life. And no joke, the investment of however much the course ends up being could mm. potentially make you or save you over the course of your life, like hundreds of thousands of pounds. If and not, your business depending on the amount. well yeah you your business like I'm kind of sort of bracketing this but a huge amount of money so I think if you think of it as essentially an investment that you will probably make back within the course yeah. by making some of the changes but like yeah. it's kind of like a no-brainer
1: yeah and like for the people that choose the option to have the video calls with me It'll be me sat there like, have you done this? Have you done what you said you were going to do last time? Have you set up this account? Have you sorted that spreadsheet? Have you spoke to your accountant? So it's not just you saying, oh, that information's great. I'll do it next week. It's me being on your case. Like, you know, this is what we need to do to move forwards. Because ultimately, I'm only going to be able to take a limited number of people on the course at any one time so I want them to get through the course and to make the progress and to take the action so that then I can get someone else
0: in um and, and it just- really is like I think so many people see financial advice as, as kind of like an icky thing of like people just want to make money from me and blah 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 but this could it really can change your life like there's so many things that I implemented during lockdown when I started learning about this stuff I'm like if I'd done that a couple of years oh ago oh
1: like it's it, mad it's isn't it
0: think about but also like the the best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago right the second best time is now the best yeah. time to start investing would have been when you were freaking 10 years old and genuinely I mean that like if you were yeah. investing yeah, like yeah, in yeah when yeah. you were 10 years old it's bloody hell you'd be, at
1: that age wow. yeah like
0: it, it doesn't like it doesn't matter how small it is if you're at the moment thinking I would only have 50 pounds a month to invest there's no point there absolutely is a point like
1: compounding yeah.
0: interest when you fully understand oh, interest.
1: compounding interest like and again and it's just like investing it in the stock market at different points with small amounts like it's similar to compounding interest and it, yeah it's just insane and the problem with financial advice as well it's boring like it is i used to go to these conferences and meetings with fund managers and I would sit there, you know, when you're trying to keep your eyes open, like like just looking around the room, just trying to entertain myself. It is boring. I get that. But I'm just going to give people what they need to know. I'm going to make it as fun as possible, huh, if it can be, um, and give you the tools that you need, not just to grow your business and to earn a decent amount of money, but to get through the difficult times and then the mindset, needed and the mindset support that's needed to go with that as well because a lot of times people will pull out of a business because they're concerned about finances but because they don't understand finances they don't realize that things aren't as shit as they thought they were or they make some stupid mistake and make things even shitter because of how they're feeling mentally about the concerns of money and it I mean there's I can't remember the statistic, but there's a large number of male suicides that are down to financial worries. And I'm not saying I'm going to prevent mental health issues or suicide. Like that's not what I'm saying here. But we know money worries and money struggles can be a massive problem. It causes breakdowns of relationships, breakdowns of businesses, people fall out with business partners and friends, all over stuff that actually, if you understood... The reality of the situation and the different options that you've got—it
0: probably never needed to get to that point. Um, I didn't even think that's an exaggeration. And actually, as you were saying that, I'm like, how ridiculous is it that we don't actually explain to people like how money works, what to do with it, when when we know that? And male suicide is, is like an unbelievably high rate. And yeah. you're right; so much of it is to do with financial pressures. Mm-hmm. But then no it's pressure. pride. So yeah. much of this
1: is pride, like. We don't like talking about money. I don't like talking about money because I was brought up, my dad is like the most, what's the word? Like he's so modest when it comes to money. It's, and I've always just been taught, you don't tell anyone what you earn. You don't talk about the cost of stuff. It's rude to ask people. And I think there's that line and there is boundaries that we've got to be mindful and respectful of. But talking about money and finances and where to put things and what accounts to have and how to secure yourself and tax and all this stuff that that's not shameful asking these questions isn't shameful asking for help and support with this stuff isn't shameful you do not need to feel too proud you know if people have been used to being a provider whether that's for themselves or for a family, whether you've been the person in front of your friends that could always buy a round of drinks and now you've quit your job to be a PT and you can't do that. Like, there's so much shame and embarrassment that comes with that and it shouldn't be the case.
0: It shouldn't be the case at all. Even more so as a woman. Like, you're saying that people are kind of feel, I don't know, a bit icky about talking about how much they earn and, like, even you were like, oh, I don't want to say what my salary was. But, like, (laughs) women especially are much worse about that especially around men because I think it's like the demasculation thing and I'm not saying like go and share your strike balance because I think that's really (laughs) icky in myself but I do think we should be able to talk about like this is you know this is the reality of it this is what people are earning this is how you can manage that and I do think that people focus too much on one side again it's like energy balance right they focus too much on one side of the kind of money balance equation they're like this is my salary Now I know people when I used to work at the hospital and I had a salary, I think it was like 25 grand a year. I know people that had like double my salary, but I was more well off than they were. Mm -hmm. Because of the outgoings, right? They had much more outgoings than me. They wanted to have a a really nice, like they wanted to have a big mortgage and not pay much deposit and they wanted to have a really fancy car and pay it off on finance every month. That's fine, but you have to consider both sides of the equation and not just what you're spending on, but also like what you're investing in. So it's not just how much money you have it's what you do with that money yeah
1: well people live to their means don't they like that's that's you spend most
0: people do but i think i'm probably an anomaly
1: (laughs) yeah most people spend what they've got and again there's going to be a big part of the course on the part that social media and the internet plays with us thinking that we have to have this lifestyle yeah so much of what we're seeing is people living credit card to credit card all these coaches and personal trainers living in Dubai just so they can take a photo of a cocktail next to the laptop grind never starts just no like that is not okay that might be some people's goals I can't talk in absolutes and black and white just because I would absolutely despise that but it's you know we've got to have just gone off on a complete tangent but we've got to understand that a lot of people are painting a perception of their lifestyle or how much they're earning and that isn't the reality it is all on credit it is all debt that they're racking up. and if that's what they want to do fine but if you really want that lifestyle would it not be better to be able to do that without the financial concern and actually be able to grow your business at the same time Because I tell you what, nothing screams desperation when you're on sales calls or you're trying to retain clients that are thinking about leaving than someone that is struggling financially. And I've been there with a coach I actually paid a few years ago and he was begging me to stay. And I was like, mate, are you struggling to pay your credit card bill? Because I know sales and I can see right through everything that you're doing. And again, we're in this culture where So many business mentors, not you, Emma, because you're amazing, are trying to get online coaches to guilt trip people into signing up for coaching with, oh, it's the cost of a a day or it's your Netflix subscription or whatever else they come out with. And it's about people choosing to invest in themselves, to set themselves up in a safe and secure way so that they can live the lifestyle that they want. And if that is a laptop on a beach in Dubai, then you go do that. But do not get yourself into crippling debt to take photos for six months on Instagram and then have to close your business down. Like that's yeah, I
0: mean, there's, reality. we could have a whole podcast on Dubai because I'm quite intrigued <laughs> by a lot of it. One, I think, in fact, I think I know that if, partly because people be like, that's such a strange thing for Emma Sue, but if I suddenly moved to Dubai and started doing that, I think my business would fail. Because i would you, stop working with you yeah i mean one that but to <laughs> you, like also my coaching business like it's not relatable no nah. like being over there doing all that stuff and also i don't think it aligns with many of my clients morals mm. and, and the other thing i'm interested in is to see what happens in the next sort of 10 years or so re people trying to come back to the uk from dubai Same on it. ah, over there. Okay. Because I think people are like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I'm not paying tax. Yeah, yeah, now. But you try and come back to the UK with that money and say, oh, no, it's not. Like, i earn it over there so I don't have to pay tax here. Because HMRC aren't going to just be like, no. And I think people think they've got away with it because they've done the tax here. I'm like, no, no, people can go back and be like, we want to look at the last 10 years and actually how you've made this money before you just bring it back into the UK without paying tax on it. Like, yeah. it's not going to be as simple as what people think. And that could be a situation, again, where people have, because Dubai is not cheap, right? And no. I've, I've done some of the maths on this and like you need to be earning a fair amount of money to make it worthwhile going to Dubai to avoid tax. To actually, you know, because of it, because the cost of living is so much higher. That, yeah, you need to be earning considerably more. And also that stuff isn't free. Like you're looking at probably at least 10 grand a year to kind of set up your fake company over there have a fake office, do all the accounts, do all the paperwork. Like, There's a lot that goes into it. So you need to be making a decent amount of money to be saving that much in tax for it to be worthwhile. That that level of money, we're talking like half a million to a million, just coming back into the UK. Tax-free? Really? Yeah, I know, like, <laughs> what, good luck with that. But
1: Yeah, uh, you know what? HMRC can go back with so many things as well that people don't realize. And again, that's what the course will cover, like how to secure yourself, not just going forward, but what might've happened in the past. And yeah, I mean, Dubai is just, it's like a world of its own, isn't it? Like, again, each to their own. I might, in fact, I stopped in
0: Dubai airport once. So I've been technically. Yeah, I stopped there once. And what well, I will say is great toilets yeah, Very yeah clean, like, large like I was like yeah do you know what nice
1: <laughs> yeah Tobias <Dubai is> posh
0: <laughs> yeah all right okay right. I've got up. any friends that go there but I don't think I do so i all good <laughs> oh I definitely do and and like colleagues that work there but they know my feelings so it's yeah. fine yeah um anyway um we'll wrap it up here because we'll probably do a second episode because there's loads to discuss and yeah. also this is a bit of a putting feelers out because it'd be really interesting to get people's feedback on yes. specific things that they either want us to cover or that they want to be in the course or they think would be useful to be in the course. So please do post any feedback in the AFM group or shoot either of us a message on Instagram. I will leave the uh, links to everything in the bio and yeah, that's that's all. Thanks for having me. Thank you for for your brains.